Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This is Let's Do the Right Thing in association with RadioWorks. Presented and curated by Adam Hopkinson. This is the LDTRT podcast, brought in conjunction with Passion Media and RadioWorks. It was set up to tell the story of leaders in the media industries and focusing on their journeys and motivations. I myself launched a media agency last year, Passion, to focus on fashion, entertainment and leisure verticals, and I've had loads of great advice in doing so along the way. In fact, quite a lot of it from guests on this podcast. I am still on the mission to gather the best advice. I'm rather delighted today to be speaking with Lee Purry. Where do we start? Well, we could go a long backtrack here, but I'm actually going to touch on two things straight away. He's the leader and the founder of MIQ, which is the world's biggest programmatic partner. Uh, in 2010, Lee co-founded MIQ along with German Hundal in order to pursue their passion for insights-driven ad tech. And since then, they've built a sustainable business that uses data analysis and insights to drive meaningful outcomes for businesses. And they've globalized and taken over the world. Lee, thank you so much for taking some time out to talk to us on our little podcast here. So the, these podcasts have, have been about people on various stages in their in their commercial journey from starting up into scaling up. And now, you know, you're the first person we'll be talking to here about globalizing yeah. your brand. Which which stage of the journey have you enjoyed the most? I think when I when I think about the the, the journey, it's been a series of chapters. Um, and every single one has represented its own kind of milestone uh, and success story. Uh if we dial it all the way back to right at the beginning, so we launched MIQ in 2010. Yeah. Okay, we're a self-funded company. We put absolutely zero external funding into the company on day one. And the reason why we did that is that we believed, myself and Gorman, my business partner, we believed that if we were to scale out MIQ in the direction with the vision that we had, we needed to do it our way. We couldn't have yep. any external kind of influences or direction so we were almost kind of super super obsessed uh, as a company from day one uh, in terms of the plan in terms of the vision um, and I think that by being fully bootstrapped um, you know and self-funded it enabled us in the early days to make some decisions that were absolutely key yes which have enabled us I think to circumnavigate growth would they be uh, decisions to... that you wouldn't have been able to make if you had VC in there from I, the beginning I think so yeah I mean it's it's you know, for, for example, uh, and it always makes me smile. Does this, um, does this, does this uh, fact that we we launched the company October the first in in two thousand and ten, but it wasn't until early September that we actually agreed, really nailed down what our pricing strategy was going to be yeah. because it didn't quite fit what the the different plays that we had prior uh, to that. But we knew as a company that we needed to build out you know, kind of MIQ or media IQ, as we were called in the early days, we, we needed to build it out in a vision which would enable us to deliver for clients the best pos possible outcomes. But to do that, pricing was absolutely instrumental. 
Um, and it was in early September, that's when we, we nailed down exactly what our strategy would be. We'd have a fluid pricing and pricing would be dependent on exactly what our outcomes uh, looked like. And yeah. if, if the outcomes, um, we were doing a good job, then we could charge a little bit more. If we weren't doing too good, then we bring in the pricing and the margins a little bit. But my point with all of that is that having that fluid kind of agile approach to the business strategy, in this case, into pricing, I think if we'd have had external kind of investors, they'd have been, you know, they'd have been creating havoc yes. uh, three, four weeks before prior to launch. Yeah. But there was, um, there was a calmness that we had because of the self-funding. Um, but there was also, I'd say, kind of like a steely determination between the, between the two of us as well, because, you know, we had a lot riding on it. We don't come from money. Mm. You know, we didn't have, um, you know, kind of hundreds of thousands of, uh, of, of pounds worth of backing. We had a limited amount of funds that we could commit to this. Um, and we had a limited amount of time that we could effectively live on practically nothing. I had two children uh, at the time. Now I've got three, but two children. My wife was a full-time mom. So there was a lot, a lot riding on getting this right. Um, but I believe by being self-funded, that played a really, really important part. Absolutely. So, so you believe in it. You, you need it to work. You want it to work. You, you had full, full support from home. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. It's. I. I always remember talking to my. Um, talking to my wife. Um, How did you explain? Sorry, does your wife <laughs> wife actually work in the industry? No, she doesn't. No. So okay. No. So at the at the the nascent times of uh, programmatic media and outcome driven media, you've got all these new themes that are appearing. How did you? How did you explain programmatic to home? Um, with great difficulty, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but I, I said to I said to my wife Tracy, I said like, look. I've got this great job right now. I'm doing really well and scaling in that. And we've got this nice, nice life. Um, but I, I've always had this itch uh, to be an entrepreneur. I've always had this itch to, to, to try and do my own thing. Uh, and I said to her, I said, right, okay, I've got this idea. This is new way um, that advertising is effectively uh, going to operate. Uh, and I think that I've got the opportunity to, to do something quite special here. But it was, you know, for, for I've got to be honest, you know, back in you know, 13, 14 years ago when I pitched it to, to my wife, it was a punt yeah. for sure. Um, but the other thing is my business partner as well. We used to work together. In yeah. fact, I was actually his, his boss uh, in the early days. And then um, I left to go to our biggest competitor. And then the two of us became kind of um, frenemies, as we call it. Uh, but always really, really kind of really, you know, kind of uh, respectful. And there was a friendship between me and my business partner in the early days, which I think is absolutely critical uh, in terms of any kind of uh, business partnership, certainly um, founding uh, a company. But so I, I positioned it to my wife. I said, there's an opportunity that, that I believe myself and Gorman have got. Um, and I believe that, you know, I can make a success for our family uh, by, by doing this. And honestly, I, most, you know, every day, every other day, I don't for a minute take for granted the level of trust and investment that my wife gave me. Because I think without that, you know, it, this wouldn't be possible. At all. I, I, I completely agree. Abs- absolutely. It's so important. Yeah. It's not just your decision. It affects many other people and it can affect things for, for the rest of your lives together if it didn't go the way that you wanted it to go. So, absolutely. Yeah, no, good for you and good for her. Um, she's got to be quite happy then right now, right? <laughs> she is. Yeah, she, she's, um, I think she's very happy and very proud. And she plays a really important part in terms of kind of sense checking, um, kind of key decisions you know for myself as well really so she's i I would definitely say 
both her and Mina, my business partner's uh, wife, um, uh, are unsung heroes within you know the the continued success of the company. Well, shout out to them both. I'm going to get some brownie points for that. You really are. (laughs) (laughs) So you launched it 14 years ago as the the industry was beginning to think about or begin to talk about programmatic media. Amazing to have spotted that. Amazing to be talking about outcome driven. Because at the time, you know, thinking back now, what I was doing is we, we were just beginning to hear about buying... Uh, data levels of uh, of consumer behaviour, so that you could just sort of purify a media buy. Yeah, I didn't really hear anybody talking at that time about actually looking at what the outcomes are for media. Yeah, except for certain direct response media, so radio, press ads, etc. Yeah, so amazing for you to have done that at the same time. You clearly hit a. Um, a hot spot in yeah. in the industry because it worked and it worked really quickly. It did. How yeah. did you scale? When what what was the what was the inbound pressure to you to I mean when did you know that it was going to blow up? That's a really good question. Um I mean I will say we got traction from the early days. I mean we 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 turned a profit within about 6 7 weeks. Um uh, and we were break even then. So we had a super super low overheads so uh, the traditional kind of startup mentality is like you know you lose money year one you gain some of that back year two and by year three you should be just about washing your face exactly six weeks yeah yeah that's a challenge and a half you've just laid down to (laughs) yeah i mean we um we did two things that i think have been absolutely key that that were key for us um the first thing is we incentivized our clients to um effectively pay us um early uh, as it were um and we incentivized from a supply perspective uh for us to be able to pay them later so what that did, um, certainly for the first six months, it just created some breathing space for the company from a financial perspective, uh, which played a, a really important part in terms of helping us kind of financially. And it brings everybody in as partners. Yes. So so you, you, your clients are understanding that this change in behavior will help you and get everything off the ground and get it going. And the same thing with the publishers, that yeah. they've, they've got a new revenue stream, a new way of doing things that's being discussed at the minute, and they're helping you out doing it. It's fantastic that you got that support. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, we, both myself and Gorman, we'd, we'd worked in the industry, um, myself for 10 years uh, prior to launching the company. Um, at MIQ uh, and Gorman for about five, six years. So we knew the, the dynamics, uh, albeit of the incumbent way of kind of effectively operating from a digital advertising perspective. Um, and we knew, therefore, you know, from a supply perspective, we had a good handle in terms of who to influence there. And obviously from an agency and a client perspective, we had a good, we had a good handle there as well. But to, to answer your question, Adam, in terms of um, when did we know that this was going to really kind of... Um, uh, really, truly go uh, scale and go global. I think the first couple of years, we were a UK, primarily a UK business. Okay, We, we launched um, a partnership in, in the north of England, uh, up in Manchester. Um, and we continued to really kind of focus on London as the, the, the hub in terms of what we did as a company. But then we realised um, that if we, as a programmatic um, partner, if we wanted to scale, that what we'd need to do is have some form of technology to effectively underpin what we do yep. to provide us with the the necessary levels of, of insight so that we could we could scale and we could really um, kind of provide deep levels of uh, value for our clients and agencies on a campaign level when it came to connecting stitching together data um, so that we could activate and drive outcomes for clients 
So what we, we made a critical decision. I actually think it's one of the most important decisions that we've, we've ever made today in the company, that we made a decision to launch our centre of excellence down in the south of India in Bangalore. Um, and that effectively would be the, the heartbeat of the company from an innovation and a technology perspective. So we license technology when it comes to buying tech, yep. okay? Um, but we build our own technology when it, when it comes to really kind of connecting and stitching together these buying tools that we use from, an, uh, from a programmatic perspective. Um, and that took, with, with regards to the Bangalore operation, that took about 12 to 18 months for it to really start to influence uh, MIQ uh, and provide us with a level of differentiation. Uh, that has been critical for us when it comes to when it's come to scaling. But then, off the back of the Bangalore kind of uh, scaling of the center of excellence, what we did is we we made a critical critical move, and that was that we you know we we had a go at, at uh, the US. So at the time, it was all one way traffic. It was US technology players that were coming over to Europe yep. and, and the UK primarily. Um, and, but we thought you know always been MIQ, and we've always kind of um, when everyone's turning right, we turn left, okay? So we don't follow, we've never followed the crowd, I don't believe, as a company. Um, we thought, right, okay, what we're doing is scaling and it's working. Uh, our, our agencies, our clients are, are, you know, kind of they're really kind of buying into what we're doing. They're really valuing it. We were creating this noise and this buzz uh, within the UK market. So we felt pretty you know, kind of emboldened by this um, at, at the time. So we went to we went to New York. My business partner moved, uh, him and his wife, Mina, they moved to, to New York to scale out our operation. I will say it was one of the hardest things I think that we've ever done as a company. It took us about 18 months to, to get it right. Um, it nearly took us down financially because we lost a lot of money uh, in the process trying to crack the US market, but we did. Um, eventually, I think 2016 in the summer, that felt like a real kind of turning point for the company. Um, and once the US started to catch, um, that's when, to answer your question, that's when I think... That's that when you knew, we, 2016. That's when, that's when we knew. Um, and then off the back of that, we launched, um, um, we, we scaled very quickly in Canada. We then moved out into APAC with regards to Southeast Asia, Australia. Um, and then before we knew it, we were really kind of, we were scaling. We did our first private equity deal in 2017 as well. Okay. That was a real kind of milestone for us. We sold a minority stake in the company um, to, um, to a UK uh, private equity uh, company called ECI. Again, that was another milestone for us as a, as a business where we were like, okay, we don't want to sell the company. We don't want to get off the, this, um, you know, off this trip, this journey that we're on. But we wanted the opportunity to get a partner on board that can help us on two levels. One is to kind of materialise and, and de-risk some of the shareholders that were in the company to a small extent. We only sold a, a minority stake. But the second one was to be able to get private equity around the table so we could get experience yeah. um, from, you know, kind of uh, from that side of the world in terms of, how do we need to position and scale and you know kind well, of indeed and then also the access to all of the other clients that they 100%. are working with to, to exactly. come on board yeah exactly amazing yeah can you identify what the thing was in 2016 that helped you catch in the states talent talent yeah yeah so it's we'd we'd as a as a business um we looked to initially in 2014 we looked to outsource um leadership within um uh, within the United States and so we brought in I think two or three people to, to head it up and it just simply wasn't working 
what the US market needs. And I'd, I'd actually say that probably most markets uh, in the world, they want that that founder engagement because, you know, it's, there's an authenticity, I think, when you're a founder, you're so vested in it, kind of emotionally, personally, um, that I think that that comes through really, really um, clearly. Um, and I think in the US, they want that. They want to tap into that. They want to look into the whites of your eyes um, and see that you really believe it and see that you're truly, truly vested uh, into making it a success in the in, in the US market. So my, my business partner, Gorman, you know, after I think it was early 2016, he was like, he said, Lee, I think, you know, I, I'm not quite sure it's going to work here. Um, I think we might have to pull out of, uh, of, of the US before it you know, does any further damage to the company, as it were. Um, and that's when we said, right, okay, Gorman, you have to be the person that leads it end to end, right? Let's forget about outsourcing leadership. You need to be that focal point and we need to bring in young talent that's going to help complement uh, kind of um, our vision for what we want to do as a business. And that's where um, we made the decision to really, really kind of rather than going down the age old, let's buy experienced kind of resumes and go, go, go on down that route. We, we really looked in terms of what were some of our biggest competitors in, in the market at the time and who could we get within there that was on the up. Not at, not at the top of the, the pile, as it were, in terms of experience, but the up and comings. Hungry. Um, super hungry. You know, we talk about skill and will. Mm. We'll always, always hire on, on will, mm. always, because you can teach skill. Absolutely. But will is, is something that, you know, is, is a precious commodity. We did that. We got some some young up and coming talent from from the competitors, and it very very quickly scaled, very quickly to where we're at today. You know, it's the if I just think about the U.S. market alone, it'll be circa three fifty four hundred million dollars uh, alone. Which if I, if you think that that we were basically single figure millions, um, you know, kind of five six years ago. Well, I'm in single figure millions at the moment on my journey. So uh, this is the best you know. part. This right? <laughs> is the best part. It, well, it, I, you know, I, th I think you're right. I think it will be because all all of the decisions that we make are instrumental. Will be informing everything right now. But it, I, I, I love hearing journeys and stories about exploding from single figures to mm. hundreds of millions. So mm. I'm going to be copying your playbook. I'm afraid. <laughs> hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks. You're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. So you globalized, you went into, you came from the UK um, into, into the US, launched in Canada and other markets at the same time. Yeah. 
And this has there's a little segue here, which I probably have to into in you know um, bring up now, given that we talked about it off air beforehand. Mm-hmm. But the globalization of your business has exposed you to other things that, that yes. might be informing perhaps the next chapter in yes. what you're up to. Yeah, can we talk about the next chapter? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, look for, from my perspective, it has it is and continues to be kind of like a the privilege of a of a lifetime. Um, founding and scaling continue to grow kind of miq um but where i'm at right now adam like from from as a as a human really not just as a as a professional as a founder is um really kind of looking to 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 understand how can i utilize my kind of well first of all wealth privilege um which always feels slightly awkward saying this is a working class lad from Bradford. Um, it's kind of saying those words, but um, you know, I have to call it out when it exists, mm-hmm. but how can I, how can I utilize and access my network professionally? And how can I kind of share my experience of, of, of being someone that has grown from the ground up um, a business, which was completely self-funded, which now is worth um, way in excess of a, of a billion dollars. What ex- what experience does that give to me that I can effectively share um, with other groups and identities that ordinarily come from backgrounds which don't aren't associated with regards to kind of entrepreneurialism yep. uh, and aren't kind of associated with regards to um, uh, being areas um, of society where we can, you know they they feel that they have a voice that they feel that they have a um, uh, a reason. Uh, to to really belong within within um, within industry because if I if I take it all the way back to you know kind of um, a, a young man you know when I was a, a teenager living in Yorkshire um, living in living in Halifax I didn't for a million years believe that someone like myself with my background um, could ever be in this position um, and um, I think to myself right, how many more young people exist today uh, in a place where they believe for whatever reason be it the their class um, um, where they live uh, where you know kind of um, what their ethnic ethnicity is their gender and so on and so on they believe that you know kind of success is not for them success is something that that um, exists for other people those people over there that belong to, to to that group and I feel really really passionately about how can I effectively create almost a platform, as it were, uh, which could really kind of provide kind of um, uh, young people with the opportunity to to kind of um, to believe. Because the, you know the one thing that I I, I heard this phrase uh, a few months back, and it was poverty of ambition, which I'd never heard it before, and it stopped me in my tracks. Mm. And and this notion that you know, young people, for, for whatever reason, they find themselves in a position where ambition is just not, it's not within their reach. It's just not. And that really kind of, for me, it, it really gets me, you know, it really does. And I, I, I believe that if I can create something which shares and taps into my experience, I think it would be an incredible opportunity for some young people right there and you're going to call the platform be leave l-e-e-v-e right <laughs> oh, you're i wasn't but i might now i might now but the in terms of where i did here first yeah well yeah i did yeah I'll, uh, um but 
and both me and uh, my wife Tracy, the two of us are gonna, we're both gonna um, uh, enter in and and kind of effectively see how far we can run with this as a as a thing, as a as an opportunity, as a vision right now. So I'm a little clearer in terms of the why, um, in terms of the how and the what. You know, I'm giving it time to breathe. Yeah, um, absolutely. Just like we did with regards to MIQ in the early days. You know, it took us 12 to 15 months from deciding to actually start the business to, to actually starting the company um, on, you know, on October the 1st, 2010. Um, we're, in the, we're in that phase now. I've got, the, I've got the vision, as it were, but I'm just kind of figuring out um, what we can, uh, what, how we can do it. I just want to tell you a really quick story, if that's all right. By all means. Because um, I, this happened to me uh, last week. Okay, so bearing in mind what I've said in terms of helping and creating a platform for underrepresented kind of voices um, within within the workplace, um, and it's been something that I've been thinking a lot about for a long time now. Um, I was at home. Uh, it was about six thirty uh, in the evening, and um, the 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 front the front gate rang. Okay, so I looked out, I've uh, got like a camera where I could see uh, someone at the front gate. I didn't recognize him, uh, and I just thought it was someone just kind of selling something, so I ignored it. Anyway, rang again. So I looked, I thought, right, okay, this person's quite persistent. So I went out, and the, the, this young lad walked uh, up into, um, into the driveway. Uh, and uh, I said, yep, yeah, hi, can I help you? And he said, yeah, okay, I just wanted to just ask you a question. I was like, okay. And it's, at that moment, I was thinking, right, okay, what is this? What's mm. happening? What's what's going to, literally, what what's, uh, are we, am I being scammed? Is there, and, but this young lad, he was about 18, um, and he said to me, he said, I've just been walking past um, um, your house, and I just, it just it stopped me in my tracks, and I've just, I just thought, you've got such a beautiful house, um, um, I just want to understand how the hell have you how have you done this, um, and and I, and I said I, I was literally taken aback. I said, um, "Sorry, what you just want to know how I bought the house?" And he said, "Yeah." He said, "What I'm doing right now is I'm just a cleaner um, at the local council offices." He said, "I feel trapped within my position right now," um, and he said, "I'm just trying to figure a way out." And it for me certainly what I've just kind of shared you know earlier. It, it, that for me, it it all came imploding in. Then I was like, "Oh my God!" Is is some of these young people that feel actually trapped within their circumstances for whatever reason, based on class or where they live, where they're educated, whatever it will be. Um, uh, it really made sense to me at that point uh, that this poor young lad, um, that's right at the very beginning of his life, um, feels that the only way that he can really kind of um, work his way out of the, the situation is to go knocking on people's doors and to ask them for the stories. So I got the, I got the, the young lad, I got his, his email. I'm going to meet him uh, for coffee in a couple of weeks. Um, I'm going to make some introductions, uh, but I really want to almost kind of use him as the, as the springboard. Absolutely. And, and, uh, wonderful. Yeah. yeah. But it's in his head actually to think about how do I get out of this? Amazing. And you, you Amazing. we've got to embrace that talent, haven't we? It's, we've exactly. got to yeah, set it free. Exactly. Yeah. It's for me, it's the, the complete, antithesis of privilege and entitlement you know some of these kids they 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 they, they don't feel they've got anything whereas what when you really strip it out we talked earlier about motivation desire will you know they've got that yeah. in in abundance so it's kind of how can we you know how can i help them kind of realize that um and this for me is uh, something that i feel really really passionately about 
uh, on a human level. I really, really do. But at the same time, you know, I want to continue scaling uh, professionally. Um, MIQ. So it's you know the recent markets that I've launched is in India from a commercial perspective and China also. Um, so I want to continue kind of the big challenges that um, uh, I can con- you know can continue to to scale from a, a professional perspective there as well. Given that you're in so many markets mm. and increasingly programmatic and data driven, data driven and outcome driven media is proliferating into TV, posters, radio, etc. So in many nations, many na- nations, <laughs> many nations, many markets within those nations, could this be a sub uh, project of MIQ at the same time? That's absolutely um, the recommendation I've been given by a number of people right. there. So it's kind of how can we. How can we work it into um, our the fabric in terms of what we do? We, we've invested a hell of a lot of time, energy, and money in terms of building out our diversity, equity, inclusion um, within MIQ. Um, so it's almost like something like this could fit absolutely perfect. Absolutely, and, it, and it's not a layer in. It's genuinely you and coming from you. So it's within the core of the DNA of the whole business already, absolutely. even though it's not officially there. Yes, Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that I think it'd be remiss of me to not seriously look into how I could really integrate that uh, into into the fabric of my business. But what I don't want to do necessarily is limit it just to MIQ. So it's it's there are so many sectors um, within within industry where I think that this could really kind of talk to and really speak to to them. How can we get these voices to to really kind of add value, um, you know, within from all different backgrounds and identities, how can they really help uh, contribute? Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I think that a starting point is, you know, is the company that I've grown from yeah. from soup to nuts right now. Amazing. Well, if, if I can do anything to help along the way, I will. Right. I'm really not sure what I can. But <laughs> well, just I think being a founder, uh, I mean, you know, of a, of a marketing advertising company, uh, uh, Adam, and that that for me is, you know. Things like your experience it means everything. Like for, for some individuals, they they will be incredibly inspired. We'd to love to talk. We, we're happy to talk to people that are interested in getting into the, into the industry. Yeah, you know, it's really it's really difficult to break into advertising and media and marketing and anything that we can do to p- pave the way for the right people. Then we're more than happy to do so. Amazing, amazing. It's all good. Mm-hmm. It's all good. I mean, just really. We were in the right place yesterday, weren't we? <laughs> I've really resisted saying it, but I have to. <laughs> I have to. So just just so that that, that that you know what we're talking about, Lee and I were, were part of a delegation for Fair Break um, in number 10 Downing Street yesterday to talk about bringing equality and equity into women's cricket and, and opening up the opportunities for other people to get involved in the sport. Uh, and it was fascinating, and it's clearly from that that the right time, right place, right person for you. Yes. Wow. I mean, amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It was. A, it was a real privilege. Uh, and wasn't think, it just to be in those four walls? Yeah. It really was. It was um, an eye-opening experience. Um, just to walk through the front door. I've got to be honest. Well, it's an eye-opening experience walking out of the front door for me, <laughs> having pinched a spoon. But... <laughs> there we go. Somebody's on. Somebody's on my case now. <laughs> Lee, thank you so much for taking time out to talk to us. I, I, I think your, your trajectory is fantastic and what you're looking to do with your next chapter is completely remarkable. As I say, and I promise it, anything that we can do to help, we absolutely will. The first thing I guess we can do is get this message out for you. Amazing. Thank you, sir. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to Let's Do the Right Thing in association with RadioWorks, the UK's largest independent radio advertising agency. Let's Do the Right Thing is a Maple Street creative production, devised and presented by Adam Hopkinson. <laughs>